Hello, folks. Welcome to this episode of the Reimagined Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alfond. I'm part of SaaS's global customer intelligence group, where I work with customers to find elegant and creative solutions to their marketing problems. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Roy Reeves, a colleague of mine here in SaaS, about a subject that I certainly have a lot left to learn about, digital advertising. And with over 20 years of experience as a sales and business development leader in advertising, media, and technology, Roy is the perfect person to help educate me. Roy was the co-founder of Pump Top TV, which at the time was the world's largest gas pump TV network. And then while at Bullseye Media, Roy helped pioneer out-of-home audience measurement, which used the mobile phone as a proxy for the person carrying it. Roy is currently leading the go-to-market efforts in the Americas for SAS 360 Match, SAS's first-party ad-serving and management platform. Roy, thanks for joining us. I'm hoping we can record as interesting a conversation as the one we had off the cuff. At least I found it interesting. If I remember correctly, it stemmed from the fact that I was guilty of thinking of digital advertisers buying their ads, if I may, the old-fashioned way, like television advertisers did back in the days when I was still the TV remote control from my father. But in reality, like in all of marketing, things really have changed. Would you mind just recapping that part of our conversation a bit? Certainly. Well, thanks for having me on today, Brian. Um, I, I think when we were talking, uh, it was uh, about how marketers have traditionally bought ads by media channel versus yes. now uh, somewhat buying audiences. Um, and really, until recently, marketers would do their best to identify their target audience, uh, then do the research or hire an agency. Uh, to develop a, a very detailed media plan uh, to find, you know, opportunities to reach, um, well, let's say, 18 to 34 year old women. And we'll, we'll keep it simple. Like the classic uh, almost Nielsen the demographics that we that we talked about. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and that media plan might include some TV ad spots on, uh, you know, a show like Friends. Um, uh, maybe some banner ads on websites like Vogue or Cosmo, um, you know, media properties where a high density of their target could be found, um, mm -hmm. you know, very contextual stuff. Um, and, and this would be very fairly typical of uh, some of the line items on a media plan years ago. And, and, you know, the, the reality of this method was that it resulted in a lot of money wasted. Uh, on delivering ads to people outside of the core target of, of uh, again, the 18 to 34 year old women in this case. So um, really today, because of uh, advances in technology, measurement, et cetera, marketers can uh, now really target and buy audiences in a, an omni-channel mode. Um, so in other words, a brand looking to reach uh, those 18 to 34 year old women can place a single media buy to reach that audience through programmatic means. And, and you know, really the result would be ads delivered to women in that age range um, through a variety of media, media channels. Um, uh, let's say addressable TV ads to the right households, uh, display ads, on web pages where you know the first party data or the third party cookies match the audience, um, you know mobile ads, etc. 
So this this uh, way you said the mat you said you did say the magic word though. If I could interrupt you for one second, you did say the magic word. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. The, which is third party cookies, which is something that I've, I've I've expressed some strong opinions on those. But you helped show those in another mm. light to a certain degree. There, I mean, uh, in a past episode, I talked about privacy and, and third party cookies. But maybe I can learn a little bit from from your perspective. So maybe you could define them and then talk a little bit about how they're used and in, in, in the usefulness of that. Sure, sure. Um, well, let's just start with cookies, uh, mm-hmm. which are, are really just small pieces of data stored on a user's web browser. Uh, the websites use cookies to remember what the users do, uh, you know, so they aren't asked to perform a task uh, over and over. Um, you know, cookies should help provide a better, more personalized user experience. And so now third-party cookies are, are a bit different. They're uh, placed by third parties. Um, you know, those are websites other than the website you're visiting. Um, these, you know, little files uh, collect data on the user as they move across the web. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's really what they do. Yeah, and in my episode, I called the third-party ones kind of the tracking where you're going. I called them creepy, or maybe even I said something worse than that. But uh, it does seem that the majority of consumers agree with me. But at the same time, you know, you mentioned personalized, and it also seems like the majority of consumers want personalized digital experiences uh, if they're forced to view ads at all. And so, to me, that's a really interesting paradox. I want a personalized experience, but I don't want you tracking me. Right, right, isn't it? Um and that's really uh, the way it is and what uh, really the, the, the savvy marketers are going for. And, and really on you know, the creepy end, I mean, certainly some people feel that way. And uh, it is really reason, one of the reasons why uh, Google's Chrome will be phasing them out. Um, and and they, I think they recently announced sometime in 2024. Um, you know, other browsers have already phased them out. Um, but you know, whether you know it or not, a a vast majority, uh, about two of every three people use the Chrome browser. And, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact is, is that, you know, about 80% of advertisers and brand marketers have really relied on these third party cookies for ad targeting. So, um, you know, I, I think they would like, uh, cookies, these third party cookies to stay around for as long as possible. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, they, they really have been the building blocks uh, that marketers have used to develop profiles on their targeted uh, consumers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, they've used them to track users across websites for retargeting. I mean, I mean do we all need to be reminded of that, uh, that time we looked a little too long at that pink Snuggie or, or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I definitely understand the usefulness to to advertisers of them, and, and that need to get something a little more targeted than the than the the, the pink snuggie, if you will. And if I want relevant <laughs> ads, then I think that I have to be willing to to tell the advertisers something about me, right? But, but with all the privacy concerns that are going on, I think it we're going to have to find maybe a better approach or a better way to do this. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a balance. Um, I mean, uh, certainly third party cookies aren't, um, you know, all bad. Uh, you know, again, for years they've 
than really the the targeting data for most online marketers, um, which you know is super valuable. But you know, with all the privacy concerns and mandates out there, and uh, the fact that they're unable to cross devices or even between apps uh, in this, um, you know, I'd call it a multi-device world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they've about run their course. It's really now time for uh, what I think is a more consumer consent, um, uh, privacy-centric, uh, really first-party data-driven approach to advertising. Well, I certainly believe that the uh, first-party data approach is going to offer organizations a wealth of maybe untapped insight about their customers. And hopefully they can help that use that data to truly use, personalize that that customer experience. But as we've talked about, we have to get the customer into the funnel in order to do that, right? You can't just strike up with a strike up a conversation with somebody and, and assume you're going to know everything uh, about them, right? Just based on observable characteristics. Otherwise, anybody who met me would assume that I was just a really mean, grumpy guy. Um, but once they get to know me, hopefully we can have a more meaningful conversation. Uh, as they add to that initial impression and maybe even correct it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that first party data is key. And, um, you know, the, the more you collect, uh, you know, the better your targeting is going to be. So this is one change that I, I want to talk to you about. Um, and I'm going to ask you to take your crystal ball out here twice. Uh, you've been in the, the ad tech industry for quite a while. So looking into that crystal ball for the first time, as some change comes to the, the world of, of third-party cookies, what would you recommend for marketers to do going forward? Ooh, so so once you're, you're talking about once third-party cookies go away. Yeah, how can, how can marketers pre-arm or pre-strategize, if you will, um, their marketing budgets, their marketing strategies to, to deal with that? Well, yeah, obviously it's going to, um, you know, I think marketers need to obviously do things differently. Um, you know, a lot of marketers believe that um, uh, it will definitely be more difficult to target consumers and, and personalize ads. Um, and, and, you know, it may be somewhat of a step backwards for the industry, um, you know, mm-hmm. without those identifiers that the third-party cookies have provided. Um, at least some of the folks I've spoken to believe that, uh, you know, the personalization and, and the ability to optimize cap- campaign performance uh, will definitely be more difficult, uh, which mm-hmm. would, uh, of course, you know, negatively uh, impact their return on ad spend. Um, so that that's one thing. Um, you know, some see this uh, phase out is, is somewhat of a power play by Google. Um, I, I mean, let's be honest, Google's the 800 pound gorilla out there. Um, mm-hmm. It has a ton of user data collected for years through its tools and uh, what its properties like search, uh, maps, YouTube, et cetera. They, they have loads of first party data. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it would not surprise me to see uh, many marketers become more reliant on Google. And uh, so, you know, I would say, how do I put this? Um, you know, an, an easy and dare I say lazy choice for marketers would be to just turn to Google Ads or, or Facebook 
for their uh, campaigns. But really, in the long run, I, I don't think marketers want to be beholden to Google or Facebook. Um, you, you know, I, I listened to one of your recent shows, Brian, and um, I, I have to agree with you that, you know, first party data is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked your analogy in that. Uh, it remind me of uh, what the that conversation. Was. It's just it's all about having a conversation, and uh, kind of like I'd let into this topic. You, you can't rely only on your first impression. So, third party data is the prejudgment we make when we meet somebody. Right? We we look at them. What are they wearing? What do they look like? What's the hairstyle like? And we right. categorize them mentally into our head as to oh well, this is this type of person, and this is what the conversation is going to go like. And that's just our our evolutionary instinctual first impression. We try to breed it out of ourselves. We've had a couple, I think I said we have a couple of millennia of a social veneer, but we're still animals underneath that. So <laughs> the, the first party data we gather when we actually sit down and talk to somebody and start engaging, well, first party one-to-one so we can find out that you know, yes, I, I have a resting mean guy face, but I'm actually you know, kind of friendly. I'm a musician and get to know more about me that puts things into context. And I think that's kind of what marketers need to do in order to create that personalized experience is sure, you get your cohort data. So like you said, we're looking for somebody, a, a woman 18 to 30, right? That's the cohort data. But then once we bring them into the, the, the marketer can, or advertiser can bring them into their own property, then you can get to build out that profile with more nuance to say, okay, yes, you're 18 to 30. You lead a very active lifestyle. You prefer uh, hiking to a cruise and, and things like that, that we're really getting to know that person. The problem comes when people go to sell that data. I think that's where the privacy issue comes in. Sure, sure. But yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the the, uh, the prejudgment um and uh, as you said, if we rely solely on that, uh, we're, we're really missing out on, on the uh, deeper richness, so to speak, of yeah. that individual. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's well said. When we were talking, you, you talked about that, that marketers are going to have to kind of gird up for a period of, of experimenting with, with their approaches and maybe with their channels and, and what they're going to do. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the savvy marketers out there, um, if they're not experimenting, they they should be experimenting. Um, You know, the third party cookies are going away. It's uh, been delayed for a year, thankfully, I think most of them would say. But uh, if they are not experimenting, uh, they they really are doing a disservice to their uh, company. and, you know, I, you know, if it were me, I, uh, I, I would, you know, appoint uh, one or two people within my company to work closely with the agency and uh, my ed, ad tech provider to really ensure there's a complete understanding and uh, transparency on the potential impact this change uh, will bring about. And, uh you know, of course, uh, continuing to beef up uh, the first party data through lead gen forms, um, progressive profiling surveys, uh, uh, customer reviews, et cetera. There's many uh, tried and true strategies out there for first party data collection. So um, the tools are out there. But I like your your thoughts about experimentation because one thing that experiment- experimentation sorry, uh, provides, it shows a willingness and almost um, 
a necessity to make mistakes so that you can learn from them, right? So much of this digital marketing stuff is new to everybody and things change so quickly. You absolutely have to have a mindset for learning and adapting. And it seems to me that that kind of mindset's the most likely to, to help an organization succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So that, that does lead me to something else, things changing so so much, uh, something you alerted me to. Roy, am, am I correct that there are soon going to be commercials in my Netflix shows? <laughs> uh, there, there are. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Netflix, uh, as you may have seen, has uh, been losing quite a few of their subscribers. And uh, I think last quarter they... Uh, reported a reduction of uh, almost a million subscribers. So um, really the, uh, the, the behemoth of the industry who uh, touted that they were never going to an advertising supported model is actually now going to go down that road. Um, I believe they recently chose uh, Microsoft as their partner to um, deliver the advertising and uh, I think I just recently read last week that uh, they're looking to charge a $60 CPM uh, cost per thousand impressions mm-hmm. on the ads, which is uh, really at the very <laughs> high point of uh, connected TV advertising. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I wonder if the other streaming services will follow suit or, or how that will work out. But I guess it's all part of that experimentation thing. It is. It is. Um, you know, there are many uh, of the uh, uh, services out there. I mean, Disney Plus, uh, Paramount Plus, they all now have an advertising component to them. There are actually uh, something called uh, free ad-supported TV services out there. Uh, things like Pluto mm-hmm. and... Um, Zumo and others, but uh, it's uh, it's actually uh, a pretty interesting model, and they've actually done very well recently. And I think just with you know the economic pressures, uh, uh, I think a lot of people are starting to turn to these ad-supported services uh, as a way to continue to get premium content and. Um, you know, it, uh, it it just makes sense. It's it's kind of funny because it's going back to the old TV model, but yeah. really the ad loads on, on these services are much uh, less than on your broadcast TV. I mean, on broadcast, you're looking at, you know, 16 minutes probably per hour of, of ads, whereas on these, uh, they're closer to like four to six minutes per hour. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and you know, a service like Netflix could be cannibalizing some of its subscribers, uh, uh, getting them over to the ad-supported offering. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I guess it just depends on how badly you watch. You want to watch the Umbrella Academy or some of those shows, right? Maybe you can pull them over to that. Right. Right. But it will be interesting. And uh, if the ads are theoretically more targeted, and as you said, the ad load, I mean, a 30-minute sitcom is 22 minutes, so that you do the math there. Yeah, you're getting 14, 15 minutes of ads. If I can watch an hour show and three or four 
ads that might actually be relevant to me in a way that is improving that customer experience as well. Or at least we could do the experiment to see if that improves the customer experience. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally believe it. And I, you know, I think that's why you're seeing many of these fasts as they call them. And, uh, you know, the larger subscription services now going toward this ad model. Well, that's something to watch for if you're a Netflix fan or any of that uh, and, and any of those streaming services. Roy, I want to thank you for, for joining me for this conversation today, and I look forward to you helping me stay up on what's happening in the, in the digital advertising world. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was fun. We'll do it again as events warrant. Absolutely. And I hope to have more conversations about a variety of topics in upcoming episodes with other people like Roy, other experts I know. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can head on over to sas.com slash podcast, all one word, and join in the conversation. You can also subscribe to the series on your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Reimagine Marketing. And I'd be pleased if you shared your topic or guest ideas like we had Roy on today. Just email us at reimaginemarketingpodcast at sas.com, where once again, reimaginemarketingpodcast is all one word. Thanks for listening, and please consider joining us next time. Until then, this is Brian Alphon, hoping all the important things in your life are good. Good.